truth about an important issue in a way that reasonable people would understand. Despite this, the complaint that sparked this investigation fundamentally mischaracterized my statement. This complaint was intended to silence me. I will not be silenced. That's what it sounded like at the December 2021 meeting of the Toronto District School Board when trustee Alexandra Loka Rotman made her only public statement on how she felt after being hauled on the carpet and accused of breaking the board's code of conduct. It all happened after she had questioned why a pro-Palestinian staff member had been allowed to send out some teaching material for use in the classroom during the war in May of last year between Israel and Hamas. Nobody had checked his stuff, and when local Rotman did, she found that it included links to pages of a terrorist organization calling for suicide bombings against Israelis. Local Rotman criticized this on her social media. The staffer was suspended, but local Rotman herself became the target of an internal investigation. It lasted for months, and the final report decided she was a bit racist, even Islamophobic, and suggested she be censored. Well, that didn't happen. Instead, the trustees met on December 9th. They threw the report out and narrowly voted not to censure her. It was 10 to 7 in her favor. Local Rotman says living through that ordeal was awful, and she hasn't been able to talk about it until now. I I really think the hardest part actually was that, you know, it was we were dealing with it silently for so long. Actually, when the report came out, when it was published in December, that's when the relief came for me because I could start to talk about it a little bit more and I wasn't so alone and that's when I started to feel the real support from the community because that's when people found out about it so and the support that I got from the community at the time when it all became public was tremendous and that helped a lot. I'm Ellen Besner and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday August the 25th 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily sponsored by Metropia. Alexandra Loka Rotman has spent the year out of the public limelight, finishing up her second term as a school trustee in Ward 5, a heavily Jewish neighborhood in Toronto. She discussed it with her family and constituents whether she should run again for a third time to work in an environment that had been so toxic for her, especially because she's expecting her second child just after the election at the end of October. But with some Jewish students and staff feeling unsafe after rising cases of anti-Semitism in the board, kids giving the Hitler salute in the classroom, Holocaust denial by some teachers, and pro-Palestinian students urging the destruction of the state of Israel at a rally, Alexandra Luca decided to go back into the ring. So coming up, she'll be here to share what she and her family have gone through since that fateful vote in December. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Amy Rosen in downtown Toronto, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Montreal's main Jewish community centre, the Sylvan Adams Y, is getting nearly $8 million in federal funding to help make the building more energy efficient and accessible for disabled people to use the facilities. The Infrastructure and Green Energy Grant money was announced earlier this week by the Liberal MP for Mount Royal, Anthony Housefather, who visited the facility on Westbury Avenue. The 60-year-old building needs a refit to bring it up to modern standards, but why officials say with the money they'll save on power and water bills, they can make membership dues cheaper. The building will stay open during the renovations. I met with Alexandra Local Rotman in her home just a day after the deadline had passed for people to file their nomination papers with the city election office and pay the $100 fee. What made you decide to go back into the ring? 
Um, it's a really good question. And I really did struggle with it a lot after everything that I went through, that it, my family went through. Um, at the end of the day, I think I really just realized that my work wasn't finished and I wasn't ready to, to walk away. There's too much work that still needs to be done at the board to make sure that uh, we are properly integrating anti-Semitism into our anti-racism work and that um, you know, our community needs to have a strong voice at the table for that to happen. Why did you wait until now to speak to the media? I think part of the story that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, this became very public in December, but it's something that I was dealing with starting back in May. It was, you know, six months of, you know, privately that I was going through, that my family was going through. And by the time it all became public, I really just needed a break. It was, it was a lot. It got more public than I was expecting it to. It got more political than I was expecting it to. When this all started back uh, in May, um, I really didn't know what it was going to turn into when the complaint first came forward. So I really could not have foreseen what was coming, um, which is maybe why it affected us the way that, um, the way that it did. Um, and then by the time it was all over, I really just, I really just needed a break. And I wasn't um, you know, there's there's parts of the process um, that I went through that were really quite difficult, really challenging, um, and quite triggering for me personally. So at that time, I really just wasn't ready to speak publicly about it. What does this look like? You were saying that it was very hard for your family. Paint a picture for us. What specifically? What did that look like? And for you? Um, you know, I'm the type of person that. Uh, you know, that stews on things. So, you know, when this, when the complaint first came forward, um, I, I really didn't think much of it at first because it sort of seemed like a mudslinging exercise. They accused me of breaking almost every, uh, every section of the code. Um, so at first I thought, you know, this is a procedural mudslinging exercise and it's going to go away. Cause I, I couldn't fathom that there was possibly any truth to it. How could I possibly be labeled a racist for calling out anti-Semitism? It was so completely absurd. So at first we didn't really think much of it. Um, and then as things progressed, it became clear that it sort of evolved away from something that should really have just been procedural and turned into something very geopolitical um, and very, very hurtful. Um, so as things progressed and then things got worse when the uh, independent investigators became involved, and that's really when things took a turn that started to affect me personally. Um, throughout this whole process, I was gaslit continuously over and over again. The onus was put on me as an individual by myself to prove that the materials were anti-Semitic. And you know, if we think back to what was happening in May of 2021, right? We saw this huge increase in anti-Semitism worldwide. Um, and I mean, honestly, I'll never forget that first night that I saw the materials that were distributed, that were sent to me. Um, I remember receiving the materials, this 50 page document with all of these links. And I sat on that couch over there and I read through them and I cried because the concept that these really horrible things could be used as teaching resources in the classroom was, it was heartbreaking. And um, 
I really felt at the time like it wasn't being taken seriously. And it was, you know, throughout this whole uh, complaint process, it was time and time again put on me to prove where the anti-Semitism was. And, you know, there was a point where I was asked by the independent investigators, well, can you show us which parts are anti-Semitic? I'm like, it's a 50-page document. There's a lot of anti-Semitism in there. Like, you know, there's lots of Jewish organizations that have put out statements showing you where the anti-Semitism is. Why is it being put on? Why is the burden of proof on me to prove it to you? And also I asked them, you know, which uh, experts on anti-Semitism are you going to be consulting as part of this process? And I was advised that they wouldn't be consulting any. So, and, you know, they, I was intimidated by, you know, confidentiality waivers and things like that. So at the time, um, we were really quite alone. It was really just me and my husband trying to deal with all of this. Um, I was starting to go back to work um, after my mat leave as well, because I took a mat leave for my full-time job, um, though I was still involved with the board. So it was just a lot of things happening at once. And it just felt, I, I think at first it was just so hurtful to possibly think that Anybody could, you know, it was my name being dragged through the mud that, you know, you're calling me a racist for standing up, for calling out anti-Semitism. How? And how is this allowed to go forward? How is this allowed to be okay? So how did you cope? You said it was just you and your husband. Did you go for counseling? Did you, I don't know, eat ice cream every night? Uh, (laughs) I don't know, go for long walks? Seriously, what did Um, it look like? I was actually... uh, doing some counseling unrelated. I had some uh, PTSD from my labor experience. Um, and in part of my conversations um, with my therapist at the time, uh, we sort of took a detour from the PTSD um, from the labor. And we did discuss this a couple of times and she helped me um, quite a bit. What was it like to actually be at the Zoom meeting uh, that we were watching when they were actually voting about censoring you in that, that fateful meeting? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm not someone who enjoys the attention. Um, So for me, I was obviously very stressed, but I knew that I knew what I had to say. I knew what I wanted to say. I felt like I said it. I felt like I expressed what I wanted to say in that moment. Um, And then after that, it was up to my colleagues, right? We didn't, my, I didn't get a vote. Uh, York Center residents didn't get a vote that night. Um, but, you know, coming up on October 24th, they do get a vote. This is their opportunity to, to have a vote and to send that strong message to the TDSB that, um, you know, our community is united and uh, we will not be intimidated and we will not be silenced. Okay. And we, we, we all need to know, when you saw the chairman during the meeting wearing that sweater that looked like a kafia, what did everybody say? Was it a kafia? What were people talking about? I took it off after, but... I think it was a poor choice of clothing. You'd have to, uh, you know, you you need to speak to him. Um, Some Jewish groups called it a massive resounding victory. And I didn't see it that way because the numbers were so close. How do you feel about it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What kind of victory was it for you? I think really for me, well, of course that was a victory and it was a victory for the community. I think that in everything that I learned from the experience and a lot of things that were actually highlighted in the report are actually much more troubling 
So because this wasn't really about what happened to me at the end of the day. This was about the fact that the systemic anti-Semitism within the higher levels of the board, I'm not talking about what, hap- what happens in the classrooms, I'm talking about central, centrally within our human rights office, within our equity department, the systemic anti-Semitism is so entrenched that whether or not I was censured, it doesn't change that. And that's really the work that that really needs to be done. We need to figure out how to how to break that pattern because in my six years at the board, I personally have experienced more anti-Semitism uh, than I have before that. It's it's the systemic anti-Semitism that really scares me, and that's those are the pieces that um, that I'd really like to be there to to try to work on. Why would you want to go back to a council where it's so weaponized, and I'm using that word with quotes, it's been taken over by equity, uh, diversity, and inclusion politics, and anti-Semitism, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel. So why why would you want to go back? What's going to be different? Um, of the 10 votes that voted not to censure me, five of those seats are not running again. So... I, I don't know what the new board is going to look like. It's part of the reason uh, I feel like I'm not ready to walk away. Um, we have important work to do, and I'm lucky to have, uh, you know, some strong colleagues, Shelley Laskin, Rachel Chernos Lynn, um, who I know will continue to to work with me, and I'm really looking forward to that. And um, you know, the Jewish Heritage Committee has really important work to do um, under the leadership of Sherry Schwartz-Maltz, and I'm not ready to walk away from that work. What's changed maybe for the positive since the the time that you were in the news um, in terms of the safety uh, and the profile of Jewish students and staff at the TDSB? Because there has been changes. So let's go over what some of them are. Um, a couple of things. So I definitely think that this uh, issue being uh, highlighted so publicly um, has brought a lot of attention to our Jewish Heritage Committee. We now have over 175 active members, which is absolutely incredible, um, made up of uh, staff at all different levels. We have teachers, principals, superintendents, office administrators, trustees. Um, it's a really incredible group of people who are doing really really the really important work um, that we need to be doing in the board. So that's been uh, one positive that we've seen this group uh, really grow and thrive. Um, as a result, uh, one of the outcomes of everything that had happened, um, uh, the board had brought on a secondment uh, from CJ, an individual who came and worked for a few months, um, and some professional learning was done uh, for some for some staff. So that's great. Um, but what I'd like to see is now that that secondment is over, how are we going to continue that work? And I'm looking to the director to see how we're going to make sure that that professional learning and that that work is continuing. I want to see it integrated properly into our equity department. There was a contract to hire a trainer, a Jewish trainer to teach people in board and staff, right? Uh, and modules. Was that done? I believe it was done. I'm not sure to what extent. Last spring, uh, we were told before school ended that uh, the TDSB receives reports of two to three anti-Semitic incidents per week across the system. Um, How do you think Jewish staff and students should feel as they go back to school this fall? Are they any safer? I get this question a lot. They're especially back in May and then in December again, I get the question a lot of, you know, are, are my Jewish kids safe in the TDSB? Um, and 
while I totally understand, uh, you know, I understand parents asking the question. I think it's the wrong question to ask because, you know, what happens in the TDSB affects all students, not just Jewish students. And whether or not your own kids are in the TDSB, what's being taught in the TDSB really matters because those are the humans that are going to grow up and be in the world with us when you get to university, when you get to your occupations. And, you know, we need to make sure that the TDSB is a safe place for everyone. Mm-hmm. What, how different, how have you changed? Or how has this whole experience changed you? I think the experience has made me stronger. I think I've learned a lot from it. Um, but I think it's also given me a little bit more drive, more drive, um, and more of a desire to do more. But you want to focus only on this issue specifically, is this going to be sort of your main platform? I think it's the biggest issue right now, um, facing the Jewish community is, you know, the, what was it? The city of Toronto and the um, and police came out recently with reports showing that um, the Jews are are the high, are receiving the highest incidence of, of uh, hate incidents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really the only way to combat hate is through education. And I think that that's why it's so important that we have strong voices in the TDSB in our public schools so that we can be there to to combat it. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Noah Lewis. He was our first listener to write in to win a giveaway item from David Matlow's Herzl Collection in honor of the 125th anniversary of the first Zionist Congress that's coming up on the weekend. Now there's still time for the rest of you to write in to me and get a prize. Just send me a note with your contact information to ebessner at the cjn.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to The Daily directly on your device. It's easy, it's free, and you'll get the podcast every day automatically before the rest of the world does. So just watch the short tutorial video in the link in our show notes and start being a loyal subscriber. Thanks for listening. We'll be back Monday with a new development on the Benjamins' funeral home story. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.